Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and registered art therapist. And I'm Catherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Our mission on Am I a Bad Therapist is to normalize and humanize our existence as therapists. You can help us spread this message by subscribing and leaving us a review wherever you are right now, whether that's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know the drill. You can also help us by sharing Am I a Bad Therapist with your network, whether it's on social media, your stories, or just between colleagues. Every listener helps us make a difference in this field, and we'll always reshare if you tag us. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure to check out our pretty faces on our YouTube channel. And if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to head over to our podcast and leave a review. You can find all of our links in the notes below. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, Catherine, when I say the word sleepy... In a therapist context, what comes to mind? Uh, actually, two things. One is, you know, Freud, Freud's patient falling asleep on his couch. And the second thing is the seven dwarfs going to therapy because I think they definitely need it at this point. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh my! If you had to pick one of the dwarfs to be a therapist too, which one would you pick? Gosh. Um, oh, that's a great question, Allie. I would pick... Mm, Sleepy because I really like teaching sleep hygiene. (laughs) (laughs) At first I was going to say dopey, but then I wouldn't know what I'd work on him with. But sleep hygiene, you know, time limited, Mm -hmm. some pretty, pretty standard uh, interventions and and we're out the door. We're good. Yeah, I like it. And then how about any stories? Do any stories come to mind for you when we talk about sleepy and a therapist concept uh, content? Yeah, 
actually they do. None that I have fallen asleep on. I've never been on like a chase lounge falling asleep in my in my therapy sessions or as a therapist. But when I was in graduate school, I was going to weekly therapy and it was in a the therapist's home. The therapist had a agency job. She was, you know, a leader at a at a large state agency and um, it was a very interesting schedule. She saw two clients after her work hours and she saw one as soon as she got home. Then she had a hour break for dinner. So then she'd go eat dinner with her husband and then she'd have another session after dinner. And I just, I don't know how I knew this, but I always thought it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, but she actually fell asleep on me one session Oh my God. and it wasn't, so it could be debatable and it wasn't super obvious, but there was a period where it was towards the end of our work together. So it wasn't high emotion, high intensity. I went in for a very specific uh, life transition. And um, it was towards the end when symptoms were reducing. There was a lot more chit-chat than normal. And now being a therapist of several years, I recognize that that tends to be the most boring sessions <laughs> for therapists, at least personally, when they're really not of any substance. Mm-hmm. And she actually just kind of like, kept her eyes closed for a prolonged period of time. She didn't sway. She didn't like nod her head. But I, to the point where I was like, are you okay? And she like snapped her eyes open. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And then didn't say anything. So I'm pretty sure she kind of dozed off for a little bit and didn't, you know, want to, didn't address it. So, and I didn't push it and it didn't happen again, but I'm pretty sure she fell asleep on me. Oh my God. And then we, we ended, we didn't terminate. It wasn't a rupture of any sort. Mm-hmm. It did make me question, oh gosh, like, am I boring her? Am I t- bringing the right things to therapy? And then shortly thereafter, maybe within the next month or so, we talked about terminating jointly. Um, mm-hmm. I think she started the conversation um, because, you know, symptoms were reduced to a non-clinical mm-hmm. level and I was using insurance at the time. So we yeah. ended and it was appropriate to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a therapist well, fall story? asleep on me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it happens. And we're going to hear today um, from George who actually got the nickname Sleepyhead through the work he was doing. He was in a management, uh, middle management position in an agency, was, you know, really getting torn between different expectations and roles, and it was impacting him, and he was so burnt out. He tells us how he was falling asleep in meetings and got that nickname, and then we'll hear everything that happened after that. Oh, I can't wait to hear the fallout of mm-hmm. literally being called Sleepyhead. Mm-hmm. So just a friendly reminder that everything we say here is for entertainment purposes is not to be a substitute for therapy, consultation, or ethical guidance. All right. And this is episode number eight of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Welcome, George, to Am I a Hi. Bad Therapist? Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. So before we get into your situation and your story, tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about yourself and your practice, maybe how you got into mental health. Sure. My name is George Fernandez. I am an LCSW here in Hamden, Connecticut. Um, I run my own solo practice, um, Spanish and English bilingual, working with teens, adults, couples, and families. I have been in business myself for three and a half years, but actually I'm going on my 25th year in the field, believe it or not. I certainly can't believe it. Um, you know, I have 
done it all from in-home work to clinical supervision to running programs. You know, I, I, I have many good and bad therapist stories to share for sure. <laughs> well, why don't it we dive? Like, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Catherine. I was just going to say, it sounds like you've had quite the career. My goodness. Uh, if you were to ever start like a war stories podcast, <laughs> I, I could be a recurring. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Those I have there's always that. so many stories and we'd love yeah. to have you back to hear more, but why don't you tell mm-hmm. us today what story you're going to share that made you feel like you were a bad therapist? Sure. And you know, I, I actually think it's going to be a bit therapeutic because I don't think I've ever talked about this openly with colleagues um so so this is this is going to be interesting so for six years um i ran an evidence-based family therapy program um very much what i thought was a a dream job very much up my alley um and you know it, it it was there were a lot of issues. There was a lot of conflict between model and agency. I also was going through a lot of personal stuff at the time, which really took me out of, you know, out of kind of really focusing on the job. And I honestly, for the final three years of my job there, just really started coasting. And one of the things that started happening was that I would start dozing off and I would doze off in the office by myself. I dozed off a couple of times in supervision and I began just falling asleep in meetings. And when I mean meetings, I mean management meetings with even the CEO of the company. Um, And it got to the point where the person who was my immediate supervisor who I love dearly, who did this out of love and honesty and transparency, told me, listen, you have a reputation at this point. Like when I sit in executive meetings, you're not called George anymore. You're called Sleepyhead. So my my nickname to upper management was Sleepyhead because I'm the guy who kept on falling asleep. Wow. Oh my goodness. So before we get into how you manage the reputation and uh-huh. how you manage the fallout of this sleepy sure. hag nickname, uh-huh. uh, my first question is, did you realize this was happening? Yeah. I mean, th- it was a very slow process. Like if you've ever fallen asleep somewhere, you know that your eyes are getting heavy then you're having trouble keeping focus. And then you start, you know, shifting your weight around. You get up, you splash water on your face, you have a drink of water. You you do all these things to try to get you out of it. And I certainly was doing these things, but it just kept on happening. And, you know, I would catch myself after a couple of seconds, but by that point, you know, everybody had seen me. Wow. Well, I also have to this thank you for sharing this story. Like you said, you haven't really talked about this mm-hmm. with a lot of colleagues, but I feel like yeah. it is relatable. You know, like when mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. burning the candle at both ends, we have personal stuff mm-hmm. going on in our lives. Like I feel like the running theme of what we talk about each week is that we are humans as well as therapists. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, 
stuff like that comes up in our work. So again, thank you for being so transparent and so vulnerable about talking about it. Um, how, so how long do you feel like it was going on? Like the falling asleep, how long do you think it lasted for before you heard about this nickname? Oh, geez. Um, probably months. Mm-hmm. Probably months. And, and I was certainly very, very aware of what was happening. I was trying everything possible, drinking coffee and energy drinks, like, like all, all this sort of thing. And it just, when it happened, it, it would happen. And I would feel terrible about it afterwards and panicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like the coffee and energy drinks, I mean, are a Band-Aid on the root cause mm-hmm. or the root problem of therapist mm-hmm. or clinician burnout, right? Mm-hmm. And so this Absolutely. happened to you several years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I can only imagine there's therapists out there thinking, yeah, me too. I'm trying everything I can to stay awake in session even. Um, I know that there have been times throughout my career where I have been a lot more lethargic and maybe more prone to mm-hmm. some extra long blinks <laughs> in therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, but but this is this is absolutely the root. This highlights the root problem of therapist burnout. Yeah, and I think for many of us, you know, it, it, it's about you know we know we know we're burnt out, um, but mm-hmm. you know for valid reasons we stay at these jobs um Mm -hmm. you know we're afraid of the unknown we're afraid of you know we have health insurance for example you know and we you know we we do everything possible to put these band-aids on but Mm -hmm. they stop working after a while if you don't if you don't resolve the core problem yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I have another question. Um, were you in a purely yeah. supervisor role or were you still seeing clients at this time? I was not seeing clients okay. at the time. So I would, you know, what I based, I did everything else. Yeah. You know, so I, so I, you know, this was home base. So I drove out and, you know, screened the families. I did the supervision. I did the overall management of the program. Mm-hmm. I was driving, you know, pretty much all over the state of Connecticut. Yes. Wow. Definitely. Um, uh, meeting families and, you know, and that's where I felt the best. You know, I, I felt my best when I was on the road, when I was actually sitting in front of the clients themselves. Um, never fell asleep then. Okay. So you mentioned, you know, some personal things were going on behind the yeah. scenes of your, of your work. But mm-hmm. what, and you know, you don't feel free to not dive into that if you don't feel comfortable, mm-hmm. but what else, what were the other factors do you think contributing to this burnout? Um, where I was working and you know, they do do wonderful work, but, you know, but I think the specific work that I was doing was sort of a square peg in a round hole mm. um, with this larger agency so i very much i you know i was very much flying the flag of model fidelity you know and all 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 my model fidelity numbers were fantastic you know so the people who ran the model were very happy with people who ran the agency were not because i was not necessarily doing things their way 
-hmm. So th there was this very big disconnect with how I was viewed by one set of people and how I was viewed mm -hmm. by the other. And, and that was, that was incredibly hard for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So getting pulled between two different agendas, and here yeah. you were the middleman yeah. trying to make everybody happy. And exactly, exactly. Being the buffer for staff just from, mm -hmm. you know, all the stuff I was getting from above, really trying to show that, you know, our numbers are great, you know, our, mm. but but I wasn't doing things the way the agency mm -hmm. wanted me to do. I was doing things the way the model wanted me to do them. And that was, that, that was very hard for me because I was very invested in the model. Mm. And you so. said, I think that a lot of therapists out there, mm -hmm. perhaps also in agencies or organizations, um, can relate to this idea of a round peg in a square hole mm -hmm. or, you know, um, what in terms of personality fit, right? When we are when we are tasked with work that does not fit with what comes easy to us or, or our natural abilities or even plays into some of the struggles we have as, as the people, as humans, as therapists, it is more draining emotionally, energy-wise. It's just draining all around. What was so draining about being the middleman between these two agendas uh, for you personally that maybe other therapists can relate to and learn from? Um, <laughs> you know, it's, I think that I kept on trying to make it work mm. for many reasons. It was a job that the model itself played to my strengths as a clinician, you know, I am trained as a structural family therapist and just, you know, that was structural and strategic family therapy all the way. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the challenges of working within a model and just kind of quantifying, trying to quantify treatment results was always interesting to me. Um, but so I kept on trying to make it work because of that but it wasn't working it was a it, it was it was a toxic environment for me you know i i would go from being told i i was doing a great job to being told i was doing a terrible job and just mm. you know the whiplash effect was hard mm -hmm. you know you know what was was very hard and i imagine you know you know I talk to many therapists, you know, I have clients who are therapists, you know, who are working in community mental health settings, and they feel so incredibly proud of the work they're doing with clients and, you know, and how they're growing as clinicians. And then they walk into rooms where they're being told that, you know, their numbers aren't high enough or their no-show rate is too high or, you know, or something about the quality of their notes and you know and i very much feel their pain there mm. yeah that makes so much sense yeah so so far you've shared so you were feeling that whiplash which again was like the word i was thinking in my head too of like yeah. feeling so back and forth yeah. 
burning the candle at both ends. Mm. You are feeling burnt out. And then you get told you have the nickname of sleepyhead because you're falling asleep in mm-hmm. meetings. What mm. happened next? What did you do? Let's, I, I just kept on trying. Mm. I mean, it was literally if I could, if I could put little sticks on my eyelids to keep them <laughs> open. Like I, I would have done so, mm. you know, so it was really more of what I, I talked about already. Like, making sure I had the coffee, you know, trying to purposely sit in uncomfortable ways. So that, you know, I, I, I would always, I would always have to, um, have to move around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think, you know, the sleepiness got better. Um, but I also think that just, you know, I was absolutely burned out and I was, you know, I was really, you know, my effort really started becoming half towards, towards the end. I mean, it just, it, it was, you know, I, I could not see that I needed to make a move uh, because I was afraid at the time of what that move would be. Yeah, I can imagine the fear of taking yeah. that leap, right? Yeah. And and also what you mentioned yeah. earlier, you, it sounds like you really believed in the work, in the model. I did. So I could see the pull of wanting to stay and make it work. Oh, we were changing families. We were absolutely, you know, we were absolutely changing families. I mean, you know, there there were there's so and some of the, you know. I got to supervise some of the best therapists I've ever met, um, um, you know, and it was, it, it was a great experience. Now, do I feel that they got the most of me at the time? No, they didn't, it, you know, and, and that is, you know, and, and, and that is sad. And I, I, I actually have had the chance, you know, cause I'm Facebook friends with them. I'm connected with them online the same way Ali and I are, are connected online. And, and I've actually had the chance to apologize. Two, oh. a, a couple of them. One that I know I, I fell asleep on once. You know, I said, "Look, I'm really sorry that," you know. And her, her response was, "Listen, like we were all in a bad situation at the time. I appreciate you greatly, you know." And that that meant the world to me because because you know I, I I value my own reputation and my and my own name. I think I have a lot to give. Um, to both clients and 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 newer therapists. So you know, it is feeling that perhaps someone didn't get the most of me. It, it is is difficult for me. And now for a quick ad break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a telehealth therapist, juggling record systems, video platforms, insurance billing, and patient reminders can be so overwhelming and time-consuming. Plus, that is a lot of passwords to remember. Yeah, it is. Luckily, Birchnotes created an electronic health records platform with behavioral health therapists in mind. 
Their features and tools are tailored for us, substance abuse and mental health professionals. This includes EHR, billing, scheduling, telehealth video, appointment reminders, templates, and more, all in one platform so you don't need to pay and manage multiple software services. Their goal is to make every therapist's work life more productive and efficient so they can get to what's most important, focusing on their client. And of course, listening to their favorite Bad Therapist podcast. Plus, they make switching from your old EHR to Birch Notes easy with complimentary data migration and a vast customer service team that works with you to customize and streamline workflows to your individual practice. And if you don't know already, here on Am I a Bad Therapist, we love our automations and workflows. It's literally the only way we're able to successfully run our practices, live our lives, and bring you an amazing podcast each week. So make sure to head on over to birchnotes.com, which is super straightforward, and mention Am I a Bad Therapist when scheduling a demo for 20% off your package. Fun fact. Allie and I actually met on the Teletherapist Network. That we did. And if you'd like to join like-minded therapists like us in a private network away from the distractions of social media, just visit teletherapistnetwork.com. There is so much going on inside the network. There's clinical consultation groups like the one I host, Creativity in the Clinical Room. There's media requests, templates, masterclasses, and more. And we would love for you to join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Finding artwork that is appropriate for the therapy room while also being aesthetically pleasing can be such a challenge. Well, that is why I created the Joy of Therapy Shop. It is full of mental health art prints, accessories, and more. You can find items ranging from a bohemian vibe to funny quotes to lighten the mood. My favorite right now are the holographic stickers. Me too. As a Bad Therapist listener, you can get your first digital download of an individual print for just 25 cents using the code BADTHERAPIST. Go to joyoftherapy.com to find my Etsy store and Instagram account. And let's get back into it. Yeah. So what was the tipping point? Were you able to pull back on any of your supervisory duties? Did they offer any support to help you not feel so burnt out or what ended up happening within the agency? There was a lot of I took time off a couple of times, you know, but it just, I think after a while, it just, it really didn't become too much for them. And, you know, there were some, uh, you know, I was, I was on a performance improvement plan and, you know, I, I got all my steps except for a couple of, small ones that, you know, that one I was just late on rather than not doing it. And, you know, and, and, you know, on those little technicalities, it, it, it I was fired um, after six years. Um, oh. And I panicked for an hour, literally for one hour. And then I, I sat there and I said to myself, I, and not take another middle management job ever again. Um, so I asked myself, so what does that mean? And the answer is, well, I guess I'm finally going into private practice, which is something, which is a step that just, 
know, the uncertainty, the health insurance, the taking things into my own hands, I, a, a step that I had really resisted for years and years and years. I thought I was going to be kind of this like lifer climbing the executive ladder, you know, in, in some nonprofit setting, but I was done. I could not do this again. And after, you know, after that hour, I just completely shifted my focus towards starting a private practice. In the course of an hour, yeah. you went from employed to unemployed to panicked to it sounds like excited and motivated for this private practice. Yes. yes. Um, within a month, I had office space. I had hired somebody to do my credentialing. I, you know, I, I had a name for my LLC. I, you know, and I was off and running, you know, basically spending about two months building furniture, like me, me and my girlfriend <laughs> sat there building furniture in my office, not getting paid, just getting the office ready. And it, it was less than three months to the date that I lost my job where I was officially open for business. Wow. Well, I feel like this. And, and, and I've never looked back. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's been three and a half years. I have an incredibly successful practice. Mm -hmm. I'm happier than I've ever been in my career. You know, when I sat with my first client in private practice, it was the first full-time client I had had in about 14 years. Wow. <laughs> and, and it was just like, do I know, do I still know how to do this? <laughs> and the answer was yes. I know how to do it and I know how to do it incredibly well. Um, and I've been incredibly happy. I am my own boss. I, you know, set the hours I want. I, I, I've been able to give back to younger therapists. I do offer clinical supervision a, 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 as well. So I'm, I'm still able to give back. And again, it is the happiest and most successful and most respected I've ever felt in my career. So it's been a it's been a real complete turnaround for me. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so special, and that's why I was so excited to hear have you tell your mm -hmm. story to us and our listeners today because mm -hmm. it is like this almost like a crescendo of like leading up to this big moment. You get fired, which is mm -hmm. like like you said, it, your mouth just drops. You feel panicked, mm -hmm. but then it led to this amazing opportunity for you, and how hopefully our listeners and other therapists can recognize through your story, like, yes, things could get to this point, they might feel like you're stuck, you might feel like you know, your career mm -hmm. is ending, but it might just be opening that other door for you. And it seems like again, like you're saying, mm -hmm. it really made you feel that much happier. And I will say, obviously, I know you from the Connecticut mm -hmm. community, you're a pillar mm -hmm. in our therapist community here in Connecticut, the work Thank you, you. <laughs> that means a lot to hear. Well, I mean it. Mm -hmm. And I know you're always full, because I'm always asking you if you have any space, you know, the work you're doing is incredible. And you are changing things. I've known you through advocacy here in Connecticut for mental health needs like you're doing amazing mm -hmm. things and I'm sure at that moment though feeling fired it's like that like oh my god what am I doing what am I going to do that was the lowest yeah yeah mm -hmm. that was most, I cannot the idea of interviewing the idea of going sending out a resume mm -hmm. and interviewing mm -hmm. and just winding up in another nonprofit culture was terrifying it's just I couldn't I couldn't put myself through it there was just no way 
George. Um, yeah. Yeah, I have a question. Because yeah. I, I know your experience is is not the only one out there where yeah. someone feels burnt out, um, yeah. burning the candle up both ends, <laughs> un, like really feels to their core that this is not a good fit at this organization for them. However, they love the clinical work they're doing. They're connected to their clients or, or supervisees. Mm -hmm. And so they stay. But they know it's a, it, they know it's it's not good in terms of their energy and their their life, their quality of life. But they stay for the good work. Um, and also, I heard you know a little a fear of making the jump. What's next? Um, not having a next plan. What not having you... that steady paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not having that yeah. steady paycheck and not knowing yeah. where it might come from next. Exactly. What advice or what would you tell the clinicians out there who are in the who are in these situations like you were, like you found yourself in? What would you tell them? Don't ignore the signs. Mm. You know, don't ignore the signs. Don't stay quiet. You know, if you feel that there are things that your agency, your job, your group practice, whatever could be doing better to support you, speak up. Um, I also, one thing that's always been very inspirational for me as somebody who lived in New York City for many years is, you know, there used to be an ad on the subway for a monster or a career builder or indeed or one of these things. Um, and the ad said, when you're good, you're always looking. And that's always, and I, and I have ignored that. And I, I ignored that when I was at this job um, because I had so much going on. I just, I didn't have the room to do that. But I think that always have an ear to other experiences, to what else is out there. Do not ever think, and also do not ever think that you are indispensable. Do not ever think that you have to stay somewhere for your clients or your staff. Like your clients are resilient. Your staff is resilient. You know, I have left many jobs in my life and worried about my clients and then heard a month later that, you know, they're happy as can be with their new therapist. You know, um, so, you know, so don't, don't ignore, don't ignore the signs. Advocate for yourself, but also always keep an ear to what other opportunities are out there for you. Because you will always be more in demand than you think you are. I just want to bottle that up and play that to myself every morning. <laughs> right? <laughs> I like the balance of you're better than you. I'm going to say, way to go marketing yeah. team for Monster. And yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> that stuck with you all those years. Um, I like, I, I, I could not echo that more that you are probably better than you think you are, but also you're not as special as you think you are in terms of being replaceable. I know I have felt that way in similar jobs where oh, I just can't leave this client they need me. They don't need me and they shouldn't need me, right? Someone else can exactly. also step in. Exactly. They need themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one person they need. <laughs> yeah. It just brings up such a like an important topic of burnout because I feel like this is so relevant to like 
in any role, like while there were supervisors at agencies, um, in our own work, it's like, I feel like we always hear of like, take care of yourself, take care of yourself, right? Burnout's a thing. But then on the other side, it's like, there's a greater need than ever for mental health. You need to, you're not meeting your hours, your no-shows are, you know, if someone's monitoring your numbers, things like that. And I personally can say that I often feel conflicted between that because I, in my Mm. head, rationally know like, yeah, I have to take care of myself and I do and I do self-care. But then again, you see that other side of like, push, 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 push. What should we say to maybe new clinicians, people who are still in school or just anyone seasoned or not who's feeling burnt out? Any other thoughts? Again, you said it so well, but when thinking about the mixed messages we get, what else, anything else we could say? I also think we have, I mean, I mean, I also think we have our, we have our limits. Like mm-hmm. last week, I, you know, I scheduled 28 sessions in three and a half days and I, it, it was 26 kept sessions out of 28. And, you know, I remember saying to my girlfriend at the time, like this this is the limit. This is as much as I can do mm-hmm. without it really impacting me. Um, and like you said, Allie, I get, you know, I get requests from other therapists, like two or three requests a week. Do you have openings? Do you have openings? Do you have openings? Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll give in because there'll be something like, well, that's a perfect fit for me. There's, you know, I guess. I have to, and I'll make something work. If, if, if a returning client calls me and says, I want to come back, I can never say no. Like, I, I just can't. I will make it work somehow, but I can't be everything to everyone at all times. I have to be able to say no. I have to be able to go home and just, mm-hmm. you know, function the rest of the day and mm-hmm. know that there are, you know, and know that there are others out there who can pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Know our limits. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, George, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. I'm- I yeah, I loved all the different paths this has taken us down. Not only therapist burnout, but also the demands of middle management and agencies and organizations. Knowing your fit, knowing what energizes you and what depletes you, taking risks, <laughs> being replaceable. So <laughs> many great themes. Um, just thank you so much for your vulnerability and sharing this this story. Because I know I know you're not the only one out there who has fallen asleep in meetings. <laughs> thank you both. <laughs> Thank you both for yeah. having me. Okay. And before we let you go, George, where can people yeah. find you if they wanted to connect outside of the podcast? Um, I well, I am on Facebook at Nuevo Dia. That's New Day in Spanish. So N U E V O D I A Family Wellness. Um, I also uh, my website is NuevoDiaFW.com, um, and those are usually usually the two best ways um, to reach me. Um, definitely electronically more than the phone. You know, I've, 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 you know, even though I'm a Gen Xer, I've, I've, I've taken, you know, the habit of not mm-hmm. <laughs> checking my phone as much as I used to, for sure. Knowing so, your yeah. limits, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you both. Take care. Okay. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. 
we pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. And are you a bad therapist and want to join us on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.